1: Hello, and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL
2: Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Smith. I'm a football writer, and I follow Burnley.
3: Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
1: All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys, on the New Year's Eve recording of the EPL Roundtable. I suppose it's New Year's Day by the time people will be hearing it there, so Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. I want to open up, just kind of recapping 2017 as it was, uh, what were some of your guys' favorite footballing moments, whether it be from uh, your club or, or country or anything like that?
2: Well, I've got a pretty terrible memory, so I can't think any further back than Boxing Day. Um, Stephen Defoe, free kick at Old Trafford. (laughs) Absolutely sensational strike. Um, It's a bit of a cliche, but I think if if one of the the top players, one of the big names had done something like that, they'd be talking about it for weeks and weeks probably. Um, To beat a player like David De Gea, probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now, uh, from about 30 yards out, just a sensational strike really. And he's not really known for the set pieces either, Stephen Defoe. Um, the fact that they put us 2-0 up at Manchester United as well, doubly special. It's a shame that we couldn't hold on, but Manchester Manchester United got so much more in terms of resources, despite what Jose Mourinho might say when he talks to the press. I think 2-2 at Old Trafford, still a very good result and indicative, really, of the, the progress that Burnley have made over the year as a whole. And specifically, away from home, Manchester United away was one of the only results last season that we didn't lose on the road and we've managed to finish the year by getting a draw there again
1: yeah that free kick was absolutely sublime I think I saw at the time you mentioned that it had to be a free perfect free kick and it was yeah yeah I
2: think um it was right in the postage stamp, wasn't it if it had been any wider it had hit the poster and if it hadn't been quite as far in the corner then De Gea would have saved it so I think it had to be exactly there for it to go in
1: yeah, completely agree with you. Any other non-Burnley moments that particularly stick out to uh, you this season?
2: Obviously, Man City's run has been incredible. Seeing it come to an end today was interesting. I don't think Palace were the team a lot of people would have expected to do that. Um, but I thought Palace did a fantastic job. City weren't at their best, but Roy Hodgson's got Palace set up extremely well. I think they've lost one in their last ten. Um and obviously they had a chance to win the game as well with the penalty at the end, although you can argue that that shouldn't have been a penalty so justice was done. Um, but yeah, watching Man City so far this season has been a joy really, although we were on the end of a, a fairly heavy defeat at the Etihad ourselves. In terms of specific moments from from City, I think Raheem's late winner, which game was that? Where he scored right at the end, practically the last kick of the game. I think that was probably a, a real sign that this City team have stayed in power. They've been tested for the first time in that little run where they had a couple of late winners back to back and the Sterling goal I think was also a sign of the, the developments of the player, a player that all England supporters will hope have a very has a very good World Cup as well.
1: Yeah, coming to you now Dan we, we haven't had you on in uh, quite some time. Uh so interested to get your take on, on a lot of what has happened with Arsenal in twenty seventeen, particularly any moments that you're very fond of <clears throat>
3: Uh, Well, for football as a whole, I'm American and an Arsenal fan, so it's been mostly bad. Um, (laughs) But the FA Cup win was nice. That was fun. Same with the semi-final win. Those were the two good moments.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the U.S. missing out. Obviously, that is a thing that was... Yeah, that was really bad. That was get blackout
3: drunk the next night bad. But, you know, that's what America does now.
1: Oh, right. Oh, oh. I was like, it hasn't been that bad for Arsenal. But I suppose... Uh, it's the European 2017, night. the calendar year, really hasn't been great. Yeah. Um, there have been some,
3: like, the layup, the FA Cup win was great. It's um, been a weird season. Um, Yeah, it's not been great overall. And the last half of last season was really bad Um, until the last, like, five games where we just ran into a bunch of teams that weren't trying.
1: Yeah, missing Champions League, obviously, the low light of uh, <laughs> 2017 probably there uh, for yeah. Arsenal. Um. For uh, me, uh, Tottenham's run in the Champions League this year has just been phenomenal. Going into (laughs) it, I remember uh, talking to Saifu, who's our editor, for those that don't know, um, who's also a Tottenham supporter, about uh, our Champions League draw when it happened. And basically said, we have to beat Dortmund at home to make it out of this group. Because if we got points against Dortmund uh, and then just match their results against Real Madrid, we'd be fine. (laughs) And Saifu pointed out, that was our first game. In the Champions League? so like, so you're saying if we lose our first game, it's over. I was like, nah, maybe, kind of. Um, but then we got the huge win there against Dortmund. And then um, we we uh, kicked down Apollos doors a little bit. And then the Madrid matches, which ended up being a draw, which was incredible. Harry Winks uh, kind of bossing a midfield with Luka Modric in it. Felt like some weird, sick revenge that was fantastic. And then obviously the reverse leg where we ended up beating them. Della Ali's return. Uh, to the team in the Champions League after he was suspended for the first three due to a really, really dumb uh, red card uh, that happened in the Europa League last season. Um, oh, that was also in 2017, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, the, that, that whole Champions League run was just more than, than I think any of us ever expected. Did we expect it to come at such sacrifice as our Premier League form? Uh, not really, but we're still in touching distance of the top four. And, and as uh, Pochettino said, comparatively, we're not on that... We're not that much worse off in the Premier League. The big difference, obviously, is that we are advancing to the next round of the Champions League, uh, where we're going to face Juventus, which is going to be crazy. Um, but for for 2017, I'd say another cane-golden boot, uh, and then, obviously, the Champions League uh, run has been a great joy to behold, much like Dan, the American disappointment. And, listen, I I kind of back two national teams, the other one being Netherlands, and they missed it as well. And I feel like the point of getting to have two national teams is you're a little bit covered there, bases-wise? But apparently... But now now. it's
3: just straight depression.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Will be interesting to see watching a lot of things as a neutral, although England's group should be very interesting for Tottenham fans on the whole, especially people without a country to represent, as that's the majority of our starting eleven all in the same group. Um... Next up, the night, the night the U.S. missed out of the World Cup was so funny until it really wasn't. Yeah. Oh, that's very accurate. Like the whole the game, time, it was so funny, like, oh, and well, then
3: like, oh my god, this is actually happening. Yeah. Like, oh, obviously, America's going
1: to turn it around, and then other results were going our way, and then spun well, around.
3: And yeah, then the other results were like against the two h- other hardest teams in the in the um, in CONCACAF against what it, Costa yeah. Rica and Mexico. It's like this can't go that wrong. It could be like yep. not great, but it can't go that wrong. No, oh, it did. Oh no, I think no. it's still funny. Oh, it's, <laughs> objectively, <laughs> no it's mean. funny. <laughs> objectively, it's funny. But as yeah. someone who now has like World Cups, significantly less fun.
1: If that that makes it less funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, totally understand why externally it would be hilarious. Internally, it's extremely – it's laugh
3: out loud on the floor funny.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next up, the more recent news uh, is obviously Liverpool signing Virgil van Dyke uh, for £75 million. Uh, what do you guys make of that signing?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Firstly, obviously, that Liverpool – Tried to get him in the summer, couldn't get him because they'd tapped him up illegally and had to apologise, allegedly, whatever, they definitely did. Um, then went back in for him. Managed to beat off Man City to sign him by the looks of it. Although, I suspect if City had really wanted Van Dijk, they'd have probably got him. Um, having first-team football at Liverpool is probably a factor as well. He wouldn't have been guaranteed to play at City, I suppose, when everyone's available. Um, but... I'm not sure it's it's gonna be as simple as putting a new defender in and it just fixes everything. I think I think the way the way Liverpool set up puts a lot of pressure on their defence. None of their midfielders are particularly defensive. Um they don't protect the defence very well. Whichever goalkeeper they play behind the defence is a problem, carries Migneleid, neither of those goalkeepers are good enough. So again, I think that's pressure on the defence, pressure from in front, pressure from behind. Um, and individually they're just not good enough Van Dijk's only one player, he's not four players or five players they need to replace the whole defence and the goalkeeper for me, I don't think any of their players are really good enough for certainly a title challenge and arguably top four um, as well And you can only rely on, on Mo Salah doing it at the other end so much I think at some point he's going to have a bad run of form Liverpool's problems at the back are going to become more costly Um so Van Dijk will improve Liverpool, that's obvious, but they need to defend as a team much better than they do at the moment. And they need to protect the defence a lot better. And until they do that, they're going to keep conceding much more goals than a team in that position in the league should.
3: Yeah, no, I'm in similar boat. Um, I mean, Klopp's system is just, it's hyper-aggressive pressing. And they do a very good job of... Um, making sure the other team doesn't get a lot of shots, but the shots they do give up tend to be good ones. Uh, having better defenders means they'll get bailed out for a few more of those chances, but a one defender isn't going to fix everything. Um, he does, a, I forget who, I think it's it's one of the Liverpool stats people that I see on Twitter all the time. I think it's Dan Kennett, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong there. Don't quote me, but he's done. I've seen some numbers of put there. Liverpool is there are very, very weak to high balls both on-set pieces and not set pieces, and Van Dijk is just stupidly good in the air, like not just for Premier League, for the world. Oh, yeah. So as, yeah. Back, as far back as data nuts. goes. Yeah, no, it's insane. So he will help with that weakness. Um, but Liverpool's always just the way Klopp sets him up, which is like it's a risk-reward thing. It helps him attacking a lot, and it, it does suppress shots in general, but the shots they give up can be very good because they're so aggressive they're pressing. There's always going to be a chance of giving up. Van Dijk will just help, one, make fewer individual errors on his own end and then hopefully sweep up a few of the good opportunities they give up just because he's a good defender. But it's not Mm -hmm. going to fix everything. It'll help. Um, And, like, they really need a defender. He he addresses a major issue, so it's
1: fine. Yeah, I do think they still need a, a midfielder that can hold up play in front of them. Um, but obviously this does improve them. Uh, just a weird Liverpool defensive stat. Uh, they actually have the best home defense in the Premier League thus far this season, but have the 17th-placed away defense, which is just strange. I don't know if that's a concentration thing, and I think that probably deserves its own conversation at some point, uh, just because it's kind of insane that they could be that far away, um, depending on where they're playing. It's, it's like their whole defense is Jorginho and the joke that some people might get um but yeah no uh, Virgil van Dijk is obviously an incredible center back um up until this season he was easily top five in the Premier League at the position has not really showed up ever since uh he came back into the Southampton side uh, although there are a lot of issues there as well um but I, I think we'll see him get back to his best at Liverpool I don't know what the intended pairing is there I would assume it's him and Matip um, Mathib's decent i don't Mathib's Yeah, I don't mind him he is' he's an, he is an yeah. incredible c plus of a player um yeah. I'll, I'll give him B minus but yeah yeah <laughs> right well he he's just very stable but, yeah. the, the things that he misses are because of issues with pace or well <laughs> I was gonna say ability, but that's quite rude um he, he he basically plays pretty much as well as he can most weeks. Just the, the the ceiling isn't that high on his talent. Um, but, yeah, I, I assume... That law over the floor is like the middle of the earth. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I think it's obviously a, a good signing. And uh, d- just to kind of bring it back to you guys, I assume that we're kind of in this post Neymar period where price doesn't really matter to people anymore, that as long as you get a player that's going to help your squad, it doesn't matter that it's $75 million?
2: I think so, yeah. I mean... To go back to the City when they spent, what was it, 50 million on Kyle Walker, yeah. people were saying that was a ridiculous amount of money. And yeah, it was, but they needed a new fullback. They needed a fullback who can get up and down, provide they could a win. Just down Zaha like he did today. Just basically yeah. take him out of the game. Yeah, and, um, and also is capable of playing as a fullback or a wing back and to be versatile in that way. And Kyle Walker was one of the few players who ticked those boxes. The fact that it was English as well pushes the price I up. We know all about the English premium. Um, and you
3: can so, like, get City specifically for it because they struggled to meet the home run requirements as well.
2: Yeah, it, it was a lot of money, but I think City's results and Walker's form have shown that it wasn't really that ridiculous. Um, for Liverpool, if Van Dijk does sort out he found £75 million will seem like a good deal if he can help them compete for titles and and win a cup or something, that will, it will feel like a good deal. I think also there's probably a little bit of Liverpool well aware that they're likely to receive an awful lot of money for Filipe Coutinho at some point, whether that is in the January transfer window or at the end of the season when they're going to spend a lot of money on Naby Keita as well. Um, so I think they've been a bit clever in a way in that they know that money's coming so they can account for that and better to spend some of it before it comes rather than afterwards when everyone knows they've got 120 million or whatever it is Coutinho goes for in the end.
3: Yeah. In terms of fees in general, I think we should act like the Neymar one doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> that's more of a general thing though. I, 75 mil is probably too much for Van Dyke. It's fine. Like like Jamie said, they're going to get a lot of money for, uh, they might get a lot of money for Coutinho, but we don't know he's leaving. Yeah. Air he's, quotes. Um yeah, air quotes. Lots of air quotes. All the air quotes. Um, they're going to get a lot of money. He addresses about as big a need. Well, you could argue goalkeepers more, but they're not going to. Goalkeepers don't go for that much money, so it's a big need. It's not great, but it's fine.
1: Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. That kind of regardless of price, it fixed the need. And right now, prices are just ridiculous. Like um, I saw a poll. Uh, you know, when you see somebody post a poll, and you know it's like intentional. Like, it's it's skewed a certain way. I saw a Tottenham yeah. site asking, would you rather have Devinson Sanchez for 42 or Virgil van Dyke for 75? And I just kind of in that moment realized how <laughs> dumb a conversation that is. Um, <clears throat> I, I do think that in, in this era, it's not really worth bringing up anymore that if a team is willing to pay it, that's what they're worth. Um, and I just feel like that's kind of the era we're in now. I do think it'll start coming back. To normal somewhat soon I don't think this is just a a line That's going to continue to trend upwards Um, The bubble is going to burst eventually But until it it does
3: The the whole thing of Wenger Misjudged the bubble badly Because you see him Three, four years ago like This is too much for a player And at the time that would have been correct But now you look at that price three years later Like oh we really should have spent that Oh oh, yeah that would have been worth it Yeah
1: for sure um, On the Coutinho thing, we don't really have a lot of information. Both of you kind of alluded to it. Uh, for those that don't know, on Nike's website, in many, many different language versions of their website, uh, <clears throat> seemed to announce that Coutinho was going to be joining Barcelona. I assume we all think it's going to happen inevitably, but this was just kind of a strange occurrence?
2: I think so, yeah. I mean, that the Nike have, have prepared something on Coutinho doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Um, as a big commercial partner of Liverpool, they may well have more information than you or I do, but just because they're prepared for something that might happen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Um, All the big newspapers, all the big football websites will be preparing stuff for Coutinho to Barcelona on the presumption that it's going to happen, not necessarily knowing that it's going to happen. So, I think The Nike thing has maybe been blown out of proportion a bit too much, but it's understandable that it gave people a way to talk about that deal. Um, I think it would be very difficult for Coutinho to turn down Barcelona. I think he made it clear in the summer, um, in as much as what he didn't say, as much as what he did... The fact that he was so silent about it never came out and said, I want to stay at Liverpool, my future's here, I'm committed to the club. He said nothing like that. I think that was a pretty clear sign that he wants to go to Barcelona. South American players often see Barcelona as the peak. He's at the sort of age now where if he's going to get that move to one of the top three, top five clubs in the world, this is the time when he needs to do it. Barcelona have a gaping need for a player like Coutinho in their midfield at the moment. So it feels like a natural time for him to go there and be the sort of successor to Andres Iniesta that Barcelona so need. Whether it happens in January or at the end of the season, I think that's harder to predict. Liverpool will obviously be desperate to keep hold of him to try and ensure that they stay in the Champions League and go as far as they can in this season's Champions League. You very rarely see deals of this magnitude done in the January transfer window. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was in the end of the season or, in fact, if the clubs had an agreement that it will be done at the end of the season, but if it was effectively done at this point with Coutinho, well aware that he will be going to Barcelona.
3: Yeah, it'll happen eventually. Um It'd be really funny if this is just some Nike employee who's just like quit or moved on and is just trolling <laughs> everyone. That would be the best case scenario, really. Uh, but yeah, um, you don't see deals like this happen in January very often, but you also don't see deals like Van Dyke happen very often. Um, it would be really weird to see, a, to see him move in January, but I also don't... I feel like Liverpool wouldn't want to sit on... Having spent all this money and not getting Coutinho gone immediately and getting that money back immediately. Mm. But I, yeah. I have no I idea think, what's going to
2: happen. I think the important like, factor as well is that although Coutinho wants to go to Barcelona, I don't think that's in doubt. The fact that he's, he he has knuckled down this season and got on with it, he's captained Liverpool in recent games and done an excellent job, continues to lead by example, play very, very well. I think the difference with Van Dyke was oh, yeah. he went public, didn't he, and said, I want to go, I need to move on for the good of my career, all this stuff, put in the transfer request. It was all very public and messy. The fact that Pellegrino had left him out in the last few weeks was a pretty clear sign that that was going to happen. I think it would be relatively easy for Liverpool to keep Coutinho as it is at the moment, but I do think it will be sort of a gentleman's agreement type thing. Coutinho can go to Barcelona, and I I wouldn't be surprised even if it was announced in January Mm. um, with a view to it going through at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And Jamie, I love your point on uh, the fact that as a multi billion dollar international company, they probably are already just working on that content to release it when it needs to do, whether it be graphics or just articles, anything like that, that then they can just push whenever it happens. I think what happened in this instance is just somebody hit publish. And probably doesn't work there anymore. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's a bit of, of an inevitability. Uh, but I, th- I think that's all that happened was just somebody was told to prepare something. And then they clicked publish instead of save or something. And uh, now here we are. It's um, so funny
3: that something like that could happen just because someone actually hit the wrong button.
1: But <laughs> Yeah, right. And, again, I Whoops. don't know that. It just seems yeah, like – Yeah,
3: but then, no, it totally does seem like that. Yeah. Or, or if they – Maybe it was like a schedule or if they actually scheduled it, didn't realize or something, just yeah. an accident.
1: Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with questions for each of our guests.
0: Selling a little or a lot?
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job
0: on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: All right, and we are back. Uh, Jamie Burnley, obviously still in seventh, still in the top half. Uh, a lot of people have been saying eventually the regression will be coming. I think the Robbie Brady injury was an easy point for people to say it's going to go downhill from here. But I think Munson's done an incredible job uh, kind of filling that creative void. Like I said, sat seventh. Um, I don't really see a reason why you can't maintain this. Is that kind of how Burnley fans are viewing your recent successes as well?
2: I think so. Um, even though we're in the second half of the season now, I, I still think there is... A lot of just enjoy it while it lasts about it. I think Burnley fans accept that to be seventh in the Premier League is amazing. To have gone fourth in the Premier League a few weeks ago after beating Stoke with other teams in action later was amazing. Everything that's happening is absolutely amazing. Um, But at some point there will be a dip. Um, after we drew at Huddersfield in our last game I saw reports that referred to a four game winless run which I thought was <laughs> hilarious because um, it's true but we'd also gone to Manchester United and got a point a few days earlier so um, you can spin results in these runs any way you want really um, I think for me you look at a lot of teams in the league and there is a gap a chasm really after the top six now Everton were the team everyone expected to be the bridge, like they were last season, when they were in that little mini league, all on their own, um, and that hasn't happened. Although I expect some of us will get them into that sort of position over the course of the season. Um, but yeah, the, the target certainly has to be top half. Watford are tenth, and Watford are terrible. <laughs> they've taken four points from eight games or something. Everton are currently in ninth, which is yeah, funny, and they've not, been I didn't realize. Awful for two months, Watford. Basically since the Marco Silver to Everton stuff was all kicking off. And they're still in the top half. So we should really be aiming to finish tenth or above, I think. And that would be a sensational achievement for a club the size of Burnley on the resources that Burnley have. It would just be tremendous. And to be honest, you you've got to look at the potential of a club, the size of Burnley, the owners aren't millionaires billionaires like every other owner in the premier league this might be as good as it gets so we have to enjoy it while it lasts but hopefully this ride's got a little bit further to go
1: yeah and the the significance of finishing you know top 10 versus if you'd finished 14th or something like that can be like 10 plus million pounds which could be a new player or new uh facilities or anything like that so uh, obviously, there's also a financial benefit to how well you've been playing. Um, would you like to speak on Good Munson a little bit? He, obviously, he's been doing a bit more of the set-piece duty and everything. Uh, and I know people on the, the fantasy side of the coin are, have been very impressed thus far.
2: Yeah, I've always been a fan of Goodman, and I think he started the season well. Um, he was producing assists. I think he had a run of three games in a row where he had an assist. But maybe the overall performance wasn't quite there. You're absolutely right to highlight that he has stepped up in, in Brady's absence. He's really thrived on, I think, the extra creative responsibility. Um, if Scott Orfield coming in on the other side, he doesn't really offer that sort of directness. Maybe not as much goal threat, certainly not as much of a danger from set pieces. So he certainly offers a lot in that sort of area. Um, but I still think there's most to come from Goodmunson as well. I don't think he's scored in the Premier League this season. But he has a very dangerous shot. He can test goalkeepers with either foot. He's a, a free-kick expert as well. He should be He should be probably targeting five, six goals over the course of the season. So for him to have not scored yet, I think is an obvious area of improvement. But I think the form of Goodmanson probably does mean that we don't have to rush into trying to replace Brady. Brady's probably not going to play again this season. I think everyone expects that it's going to be a case of getting him ready to start next season. Um, but yeah, it means that we don't have to panic and think, oh, we need to sign a winger. A winger would be great in the January transfer window, but I don't think it's a must. And Goodmunson's obviously building up towards the World Cup, where hopefully he'll have a, a really good campaign with Iceland. They were the surprise package at the Euros, obviously beat England, and I think they've got potential to do something similar again in Russia.
1: Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to watch uh, Iceland, and specifically his performance. Uh, come Russia in the summer, um, Dan. Coming to you now. What have you made of Łukasz at the season thus far? Because eight goals at the halfway point is certainly not bad by any stretch. What were you expecting more when you signed him?
3: Um, probably. Like he's been fine. He's clearly been annoyed. Uh, Wenger does not trust his fitness to play ninety minutes. Very clearly, um, and he's been annoyed at that. Uh, he's come off after seventy minutes most games this season, which is a thing. Um so I'm sure his per ninety numbers look slightly better than his per game numbers. But yeah, um seven non penalty goals isn't great, but I also haven't been that disappointed with him. Um
1: is this a case where the performances are there even if the goals aren't?
3: The performances are like you know, in the range of acceptable possibilities, it's probably at the Bottom of the acceptable possibilities, but still in the acceptable possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Where and like he's got a few assists as well. He's been good, not great. Like so, it's maybe I was expecting a bit more, but I'm not to the point like what is this? I'm disappointed. And he's looking good. Like he's probably looked as good, if not better, in terms of long term um, prospects than I thought he would be when signing him. But his so far, his output has been fine, but not great.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, unfortunately, the uh, <laughs> Jamie and I actually were talking about this on Twitter earlier today uh, with the injuries to Gabriel Jesus and Kevin De Bruyne and with uh, Leroy Sané kind of disappointing. Uh, it looks like everybody's going to start hopping back on the Alexis to Manchester City train. Uh, how likely do you think it is that Alexis could move in January, knowing that we already discussed how rarely – Moves this big happen in January, and what would Arsenal do to replace him?
3: I have no idea. Um, I really have no idea how likely it is. If we sell him for anything less than fifty million, I'm going to be pissed because at that, po- I know the uh, it's obviously going to change. Now City will likely up the ante with Jesus and uh, De Bruyne are hurt, but I know there were rumors in like November or October floating around that we'd flog him for twenty mil, and that would be so so stupid because that essentially forfeits any chance of Champions League for 20 million pounds and that's
1: so not worth right because um, the Champions League money would be worth more than that yeah
3: and like I know it's not guaranteed by any stretch but you may as well go for it and even more than the money like it's easier to attract players when you're in the Champions League but anything less than 40 50 mil, and we're idiots but we've been idiots for like two or three years so we might just be idiots mm. so <laughs> um as far as replacing him I don't know that either, especially like Ozil replacing him. You can at least kind of say a is kind of in that vein of player, even if he's nowhere near as good. Um, like nowhere, nowhere near. But Alexis, there's not even we since we're going to self the walkout, we don't really have a goal scoring winger, um, outside of Alexis. So I don't know what we do to replace him internally. Uh, we haven't been linked to anyone for January. Obviously, if we Sell Alexis links will start popping up, but actually that's not true. We had the link to one person, Lozano from PSV, who is supposed to be very good, and that'd be cool. Uh, I'd be cool with that. That's that'd be fine by me. But um, you know, we've been like them like twice. Right, mm. not very concrete things. Um, I don't really expect him to go, but the whole Jesus destroying the thing could change things. But if I If I had to, like, say, give an answer, I'd expect him not to go. You know, what do I know?
1: It'll definitely be an interesting one to watch here during uh, the January window. Although, as we've already mentioned a few times, the January window tends to be a lot slower than um, certain big media corporations may have you believe. Uh, But we'll obviously see uh, how much movement happens. And if somebody like Alexis were to go in the move, I uh, will obviously cover that when it happens. Uh, like and we if we spend have... $80 million on Thomas Lamar like we were linked to him this summer, I'll be very unhappy at that too. Yeah, I mean, He's... it does kind of seem like you're obsessed with Lamar the way Liverpool were with Van Dijk, um, and then ended up just being willing to pay whatever to get it across the line. Please, uh... God, no. <laughs> Do uh, either of you have any
2: Tottenham-related questions? Just on Kane, there's obviously a lot of talk about the Premier League record. Do you think that's that's realistic do you think he's going to stay at Spurs as well? Obviously constant speculation linking him with anyone really yeah. but he has said that he wants to stay at Spurs. Yeah, I mean if if
1: he stays at Tottenham I think he has a chance. Um just because I think we we would build teams around him. Um instead of him kind of being a part of of uh a group of attacking players like if he, if he was at Liverpool right you have so many other players like Salah and Mane and Coutinho. For me, there are so many mouths to feed there. Um, Whereas at Tottenham, the second biggest mouth to feed is Ericsson, and his job is to give it to Kane in the first place. Um, So if he stayed at Tottenham, I I think there is a chance. Uh, I think he would still have to average like 26-plus goals per season, basically until he retired to do it, Um, which seems unsustainable. But considering what he's done thus far, uh, definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Um, I think it's great, the relationship he's fostered with Alan Shearer, uh, and then to, to lesser extent, um, some of the former Tottenham strikers, currently uh, Wayne Rooney as well, uh, who kind of like mentored him when when they were with England together. It seems like he has everything he needs to get there. Um, he, he has the right internal drive, and I think he has the right amount of external... Um, pressure isn't really the right word, um, but external... Uh, validation to kind of urge him forward um so yeah I think he can do it if that remember that's all if he stays which I think he will but he might not obviously some something could turn quickly like Raphael Vondervaert loved being at Tottenham he left and said it was his biggest regret but just a series of things happened at the same time where we brought in Sigurdsson we changed manager uh and then the new manager said Sigurdsson should start over Vondervaert and then his wife moved to Germany. And then, like two weeks later, he was gone. So, like, so, like, stuff like that can always happen. If we missed the Champions League for like two years in a row, uh, obviously questions would start to be asked. Although we we did deal with that with Hugo Lloris, um, and he initially said if we ever missed he'd leave. Uh, but by the time we did start missing, he had kind of already become a part of the club, and then chose to stay. And obviously, has a very close relationship with Pochettino now. Um, so I, I think he will stay. I mean, I just realized this is a very unhelpful response. I think he will stay, but there's always, you know, there's always a chance something happens that draws yeah. him away. Maybe he has
2: to be concerned. Top four is going to be the big mm. thing, isn't it, for this yeah. season? And there's a lot of talk about Mourinho at the moment. Pochettino would presumably be a target. Oh, Manchester United if that job came up.
1: Yeah, true. And and I do think if Pochettino leaves, he would take some of these players. Um, something that I've long kind of imagined is that eventually Pochettino takes the PSG job, considering he played there, takes Hugo with him, and then Hugo obviously gets to kind of be the captain of PSG. Um, but yeah, all of that could happen. I do, this is a very tenuous, um, potential dynasty or dynasty, uh, that we're building at Tottenham. If they all stayed, we could be one of the better teams in England for about a decade. But yeah. will that happen? Uh, and that's hard also, to say. You
3: guys need to start players more. Um, oh, yeah,
1: immediately. Like or, uh, or, I was just talking about this with well, the Van Dyke I mean, deal.
3: Continuing the Jedi mind tricks would also work. but Because <laughs> Kane's on 110 a week and he's the highest paid player.
1: It's technically, it's technically 100 with bonuses. Um, that's really stupid. It is. It really like, is. Um, it's, yeah, we, we I, do need to start paying people like Van Dyke. Walks into Liverpool at 180k, which is double what Toby Alderweireld's on. Like that's a problem. Yeah, um, no, I
3: don't know how you guys are getting away with it, but yeah. you guys are criminally underpaying pretty much everyone in your squad, that's there's someone it, it, like it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's these
2: poor guys having to live on 100. <laughs> <haven't they? laughs> true. Hey, but what uh, if you were to – like Harry Kane's market value is probably like 250,
3: and yeah, he's you're getting less right than right. half of
2: that. It just feels ludicrous, doesn't it? <laughs> it so, oh, poor does. Hurricane. Only hundred thousand. Uh,
1: much like a lot of things in this industry, once you start to deconstruct them, they do appear yeah, very, yeah, very, very yeah. silly. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, yeah, no.
3: Imagine I, take imagine if you were getting paid like less than half of what you were worth. Like true. you would yeah, not this if right. you re- if you realized it, which I'm not sure Hurricane does. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> then so you get a player
1: that does realize it, like Danny Rose, because he yeah. spreads with Kyle so, Walker. Like, he also wants to move no closer problem to the north. With that. How much is he on? Oh, Danny Rose on 70-ish?
3: Yeah, that's not a lot. He's, I mean, he's not a great year, but he's a good fullback. Now, yeah, at this and point, he saw Walker leave and
1: make 150 just yeah, because he, he kind of was frustrated with three months of play. Um, yeah, but yeah, I late. agree with you. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll re-rank those. The three most destabilizing things that could happen at Tottenham. One is Pochettino leaving. Two is never increasing our wage gap and then just continually trying to find young talent to fill the void of the players leaving as they seek uh, bigger and better things whether it be financially or or professional success wise uh, you know as we continue to have not won trophies and then specifically if a player were to leave that would be devastating it would be Kane like Toby leaving would be bad we've seen our defense without it this year but Davinson is obviously the long-term fill-in Hugo really has not been himself uh, this first half of the season so I think there there are close enough replacement level players out there I think Dell is about to leave anyway Um, But you can find attacking midfielders. So if Ericsson leaves, you have somebody like that. Um, So I think just about everybody in this squad is largely replaceable for value. Um, But Kane, obviously, there will likely not be another player like Harry Kane uh, in Tottenham history. Of a player that came through at this level that so quickly has cemented himself uh, among some of the greats in European football at the time. Um, I know everybody's having the is he world-class or is he not thing. Uh, For me, I think that's kind of been decided um, in this If your definition of
3: world-class isn't ridiculous, then yes, he is. Right, exactly. If it's not like the whole first 11 in the world thing,
1: then he is. Right. I mean, 18 goals in a half season is insane. 18 goals is what strikers hope to do, right? Like, you want 18 to 20, and he's done it in half a season, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, But anyway, so yeah. Uh, Jamie, to answer your actual question, Kane, I do think he can reach the record if he stays at Tottenham. If he stays at Tottenham, I think, was the very correct and unanswerable, unfortunately, question. All right, now we are going to head into Player Watch. We're going to talk about the player at your club that you think will have the biggest impact in 2018. We'll lead in with you, Jamie.
2: Yeah, it's difficult one this for Burnley because I think so many of the players are already performing basically at the top of their ability. Um, but we probably would have said that a year ago and they've found new levels, some of them. So, yeah, it is difficult. Um, James Tarkovsky is probably the player that we've seen have the most improvement over the last six months um, to the extent that he's now being talked of as getting an England call-up, talk of clubs like Everton, um, Arsenal, I think, being interested at sort of £30 million pounds. Uh, which is insane, really, for a player that we paid 3 million for two years ago, I think. So Tarkovsky's one that's certainly going to be worth keeping an eye on. I think we have missed him in the last couple of games where he's been suspended through his own stupidity, to be fair. And I think that was a, a sign of of where he still needs to develop, a bit in, a, in terms of maturity and experience and knowing when a striker's trying to wind you up, basically, I think that was a mistake that he maybe should only make one, so I'd be disappointed if he did something like that again. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot of potential to come from Chris Wood as well. We paid club record fee for him, 15 million, which might not seem a lot to a lot of people, but it's an awful lot of money to Burnley still. Um, and he's done okay, I think, for a player playing in the Premier League for the first time, really. He's had the odd chance of playing in the Premier League, but not really been given an extended run. Um But he's had a couple of niggly little injuries that have taken him in and out of the team. The fact that he's New Zealand international, I think, is a slight problem, especially in the first half of the season where you've got an international break every month. He's got to do all that travelling and to come back and then play in a Premier League game on a Saturday when you've maybe been playing for New Zealand on a Tuesday and you've got that journey to make, I think it's very, very difficult. Um, So luckily, the, the second half of the season, I don't think... He'll go. I'd be surprised if he even went to play for New Zealand in the, the March break, to be honest, since they haven't qualified for the World Cup. There's no reason for him to do that when he's their star player. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to stay fit and injury free. And I think he, he has a lot more to give us. He scored four goals, I think, in the Premier League, only one of those since October. So he's not been in, in great form, but like I say, he has had injuries. He's been in and out of the team. But I think he has. There's much more to come from Chris Ward, I think. By the time he's fully settled into the team, I think he is a striker who can get certainly double fees in in terms of a whole season. Maybe as many as 15, if he was in a team that created more chances for him. Um, So, I'm excited to see what what there is to come from Chris Ward, because I I don't think we've seen anything like as much as, as we could have from him. But, there's players throughout the squad, really. I think one of the The only weaknesses from Burnley in the last couple of years is that we haven't really developed any of our own players. I'd really like to see us do that, but there's no one really obvious that I'm aware of pushing to do that. So it is going to be a case of squeezing everything we can out of the players we've got. I think Wood's a player that can do that. Stephen Defoe's shown this season that he's really far too good for Burnley. I don't think it's any any surprise at all that he's started every league game this season, I think, and Burnley seventh in the league, whereas last season he was very much on the fringes. Dash seemed to lose a bit of faith in him for whatever reason over the second half of the season. That's when our results start to dip a bit. So to keep the fourth front and centre, I think is really important if we are going to finish in the top half and maybe try and get that seventh place. And to maybe get a few more goals like Chris Wood, I think that's going to be really important too.
1: Yeah, and Dan for Arsenal, who do you think is going to be super important in the new year? Depends who's still here. Um, (laughs) For for some people, that may sound like a joke answer, but a little bit. It's not. (laughs) It's really not. Um,
3: If we're talking the whole year, it really does depend who's still here. If we're talking the second half of this season, I can't see Ozil leaving in January, so it's probably him. Um, But our three most important players right now are Ozil, Ramsey, and Alexis, um, we talked, we addressed Alexis's situation earlier. Um, I don't think Oso will leave now. He'll either re-up or leave on a free in the summer. Uh, I'd say the latter's probably more likely, sadly. But, um, I don't see him leaving now. And Ramsey was playing so well, and then two people wrote articles about him and broke him. <laughs> and now he's hurt. Um, and he's had muscle problems in the past, obviously. Um. When he's, that he's, he's good and very, very important, especially in the, um, 3-4-3 three, three setup, because with Xhaka, you need, with the, with the extra guy in defense, you need an extra guy for running from midfield to kind of make runs beyond and make it hard to defend. And no, none of the front three really do that. it, does some, but you, Ramsey's presence and runs from deep are really, really helpful and something no one else can provide. And he's, He's quite important, especially in this setup. I'm yeah. still going to go with Zillow if we're going to pick a name because I'm I'm more certain he's going to be here for the rest of the season than Alexis. Mm. And if we're talking to all of 2018, I really have no idea because I don't know who's going to be here.
1: Yeah, I just realized in topics I probably should have brought up uh, somebody else as well who we can just throw into the back end of this. Uh, Jack Wilshere, what is that now? Three starts out of the last four? 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 Um, no, five. Five. Five, I think. Wow. Two. These are four or five. Incredible, uh, considering his injury record and the fact that he wasn't playing for Bournemouth the second half of last season. Really, yeah. what, what do you what do you make of his return both to Arsenal and to the starting eleven? He's there by necessity. I don't think I
3: don't think that's good. But he's so you're saying that the, he...
1: the, the the dark corners of the Arsenal Twitter saying that he should get a trip to Russia in the summer are uh, premature, if not incorrect.
3: Probably um what are England midfield options again that's the problem that, that's the <laughs> only reason like it's possible but mm. uh, I'm not, no the only reason it's possible is because his name is Jack Wilshire but um the only reason it could like should happen um but I don't and he really doesn't have the legs like he's I mean he his fitness may build up if he continues to play consistently and that may he may Find legs by playing a lot, or it may just be oh he's had so many injuries his legs just aren't there to yeah, it play. Yeah, maybe
1: him down. Yeah, I,
3: and there's not that much burst. Um, he had but one really nice ball for Alexis against Palace. But yeah, that was a beautiful
1: been, lofted through ball.
3: Yeah, that was nice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't know what he does. He doesn't do a lot. He's just kind of Jack kind of Jack Wilshereing. Uh, he's fine. He's there by necessity. Like if when Ramsey comes back, I want him out immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just there.
1: All right. Um, for Tottenham, I think it's uh, Toby Alderweireld uh, because we've seen we very much struggle to keep clean sheets uh, without him in there. Um, the return of Davinson has helped a lot because it's allowed Dyer to move back to the midfield to to, to help up there. Obviously, Wanyama's return up there will be very important, but Toby Alderweireld is a uh, regardless of what your classification of world-class center back is, uh, he's in that that bracket, um, and we we have sorely missed him. Jan Vertongen has really stepped up this year. Um, I think he he did well last year as well, but Toby's first year, Jan was clearly like a step off uh, of that pace. But Toby is so so important to us, um, and kind of as uh, was being said before about Alexis. Um, Toby could basically decide how our 2018 goes because uh, of his current contract situation. If we don't extend him, uh, the impact that he'll have on Tottenham that will be huge would be him potentially moving on. Um, We already do have his long-term replacement in-house, as I mentioned before, uh, with Davinson Sanchez, um, who is already far better than I expected him to be this year, but is also far behind where Toby Alderweireld is uh, ability wise. Um, but yeah, I think getting him back around February is going to be huge. Obviously that period for us is incredible. If memory serves, we have Liverpool United Arsenal, and then Juventus twice, um, to start February, uh, which is a difficult run of fixtures, much like our November was, um, where we had Liverpool and United and, uh, Real Madrid twice. So hopefully, um, he'll, he'll be able to, to impact the team that I know he can, uh, and hopefully we sort out his contract situation. But uh, of all the players uh, that I think aren't contributing right now, Toby is definitely the biggest one. The other one is obviously Harry Kane, but I, I feel like that's way too cheap of an answer to give here. All right, uh, and we will wrap up with uh, match previews. So obviously, very quick turnaround uh, to the uh, New Year's Day matches. We'll start off with you, Jamie, talking about Burnley versus Liverpool. Your home record has been very good, except for one particular recent result. Uh, cough. How do you think you'll fare <laughs> against Liverpool? Uh,
2: yeah, it's an interesting one. This, I think, um, I was totally Mossalla is going to be a doubt. I think that's useful for us. Liverpool will probably rotate more than Burnley. I don't think that's a particularly wild suggestion, given that we haven't rotated at all over Christmas. <laughs> and yet still seem to be getting results. Weird how we don't need to rotate, but everyone else has to make half a dozen changes every game. Um, anyway, so hopefully Liverpool will be a bit destabilised by however many changes they make. It would be nice if Salah didn't play, if Coutinho didn't play, if Mane didn't play. <laughs> don't play any of their good players. A bit of a they chance. just don't
3: play anyone and give you free yeah, shots at goal yeah. the entire time. But it's just I, you know, Mignolet versus Burnley.
2: <laughs> but I think we can cause some problems. Um is, is Van Dyke eligible? Could he go straight in? I think he can, can't yeah. he? Because it's New Year's Day, so presumably he'll go straight in. There's no reason for him not to, but it's always difficult when you play your first game and you've got new teammates, a new system, new ways of doing things. So I think there's going to be a big spotlight on him as well, obviously, because of the fee. He's under a lot of pressure. Um, so I think it's a good time to play them, really, especially if Salah can't play. He's obviously carried them a little bit with his goals this season. Um, and I think we, we've demonstrated that we can cause the big teams a lot of problems We won at Chelsea on the opening day We got a draw at Manchester United Won at Everton So yeah, there's only really Spurs and City that have, have demonstrated that they are much better than us um, I think Liverpool away, Kev mentioned as well, defensively They've not got a good record away from mm. home at all So I think we have to be confident that we can get something sounds ridiculous to talk about being confident of getting something against Liverpool, but I think we do have a decent chance and if we are going to try and get seventh and hope that that gets into Europe because of who wins the Cups and however it plays out at the end of the season, this is the sort of game where we are going to have to demonstrate that we are good enough to do that, I suppose. Um, but I think it should be a good game. Burnley maybe I think the danger with not rotating is that the players maybe tire a little bit. Um, But I think we've demonstrated that we are extremely fit as a unit. I don't think it's going to be too damaging for us to have played those games in such a quick turnaround. And I do think it it gives us the chance that, that Liverpool are going to rotate quite heavily. Plus, as I said earlier, whichever goalkeeper plays, I think they've got big potential to make a goal costing mistake. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a point, certainly.
1: Uh, Yeah, then it'll be uh, Swansea versus Tottenham. The big question mark heading into this one is Harry Kane's uh, illness, which was reported uh, at the Friday press conference by Mauricio Pochettino. I personally think there's a little question mark around this. I think maybe we needed to rest him and just felt we needed an excuse to do so. Uh, I think playing Lorente against Swansea would be an interesting uh, shout, obviously considering his year there. Uh, last season where he scored 15 goals for them um if he does play obviously our chances of winning go up significantly uh but you would think we would have enough talent to beat them although uh, they did have a very nice comeback win against Watford in in their first match with Carvajal in charge um (laughs) and uh, I don't know if you guys uh had seen this stat or if we've talked about it on the show before but uh the new manager bounce typically actually happens in the second match at a club not the first one um so hopefully they got it out of the way. But uh, you know, there's absolutely a chance for a trap game here. They obviously held us to nil um in a nil-nil draw at Wembley in our first match against them this season. Um, so they're certainly capable of it. I think their defense is much better than people expect. Um just based on their <laughs> man, that's also rude, based on their overall talent level at the at the back there. Um but yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Uh hopefully we can uh, pick up the win. I think Sun will continue to get minutes. I think he's done very well. Dele Ali is finally finding form. It only took him about 17 match weeks before he really started going in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, should be good. Wanyama, a chance that he starts uh, against uh, Swansea, but my assumption is it'll actually be dire in this one, and then it'll be Wanyama against West Ham, which is on Thursday, which I'm not going to preview because kind of need to see what happens in this one first. Um, but yeah, uh, in, entirely a chance for this to be a trap game. I'll say we win... Something like two one because we can't keep clean sheets right now, uh but entirely could go uh the other way if they turn up, and we don't um we'll wrap up here with you, Dan uh Arsenal versus Chelsea, probably the biggest match uh in this quote unquote game week. um What are you think about this one heading into it? I am not confident um, Chelsea are an
3: extra day of rest they had a half a game against Stoke um, yeah we lost. Kalasinich and Kashelmi today due to injury. Ramsey and Monreal aren't expected back. Ozil's a doubt with his whole little knee thing. i kind of expecting him to play, but I I don't know. He's a doubt. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's just a lot of players missing. Quite frankly, that's it's if assuming we'll say we'll assume Ozil plays, but even if he does play, that's Ramsey, Monreal. Kalasinich and Koscielny, four of our 11 normal starters out against Chelsea, who are on extra days day rest and are in better form overall, I'm not confident. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll hope we draw, because we are at home. We have a very good home record. Um, only one loss, one draw, and that loss was... So infuriating and so not deserved. Um, so we're very good at home, so that's the saving grace. But we are missing a lot of players and are going to be more tired. So that's not good.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, you know. <laughs> hopefully, you draw. That's that's the stance of this commentator. Um. <laughs> all right. Uh, that'll do it for us today. So if you guys would like to tell folks where they can find you, now would be a good time.
2: Yeah, I've been Jamie Smith. I'm a football writer for Omni Sport. You can follow me. On Twitter, at Sports and read my stuff on MSN, AOL, all the usual places.
3: Yep, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can still follow me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
1: Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Be sure to check out the Premier League and Championship shows on this very channel. And also, I write fantasy content over at Goal.com, so be sure to check that out if it uh, tickles your fancy. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Happy new year again to those listening at home and to YouTube, uh, who are joining me here and we'll catch you next time.